Hi, welcome to episode 14 of The Teacher's Promise. I'm your host, Brett Hansen, and I'm honored to help celebrate, inspire, and nurture educators around the world by sharing the stories of extraordinary, dedicated, compassionate people just like you and exploring important ideas that will make us all better educators. This week, I compare stories with Stephen Jacobson, a wonderful middle school teacher dedicated to being a good role model in the classroom and in sports. Please come back next week when we sit down with our first golden apple educator from Illinois, Phil Kolkasi. We'll learn more about the program and Phil's extraordinary work next week. So today I'm really excited to talk with Stephen Jacobson, an extraordinary sixth grade teacher at T.J. Walker Middle School in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. And uh, one of the reasons why I'm excited to talk to him is because he and I are quite similar. Um, and we'll hear more about that in a few minutes. So how are you doing today, Stephen? Great. How are you doing? I'm good. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into teaching? Sure. Uh, so my name is Stephen Jacobson. I teach sixth grade social studies. Um, originally from southern Wisconsin, a little city called Beloit, which is right on the Wisconsin-Illinois border. Um, went to Beloit College, did my student teaching in Beloit, and uh, taught for 11 years in uh, Beloit Public Schools. And then four years ago, made the leap to Door County. Uh, my wife is originally from Door County, so we wanted to be closer to her family. Uh, they had a sixth grade geography position opened up, and so I applied, got the job, and this is where I've been teaching. Um, now in my 15th years of teaching, which is absolutely insane when you think about it, um, I, I still have a hard time believing that they leave me in charge of a classroom with other human beings. Um, but yeah, so that, that's that's my background and why I became a teacher. Uh, I, I really enjoyed school growing up. Uh, I saw my teachers as kind of the you know the possessors of all knowledge and had a lot of admiration for them. So if you ask my grandmother who kept a scrapbook of everything that I ever did, uh, back in first grade, I have a little like weekly newsletter that was sent home and it was me walking in front of a class as a teacher. So I think it was just in my, my DNA to stand in front of a classroom. So. Yeah, you were faded, it seems. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, there are a lot of teachers I talk to talk about how they knew at a really young age um, so that's cool. I, I came to it a little bit later, but I think I just had this inclination that I ought to become a teacher because teachers were so important in my life. Yeah. It, it's weird because none of my friends, I have one friend who also went into education, but it was an alternate path for him. I think he initially wanted to get into criminal justice and it just wasn't the right fit for him. So he's now teaching fourth grade down in uh, Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. But the rest of my friends who all have children are just like, this is no way. I could I could never do this. This sounds like absolute torture on a daily basis. Why would you do that? So um, definitely takes a, a special human being. <laughs> yeah, especially in the middle school. Uh, a couple of other middle school teachers have talked about how other people think they're crazy, but they just love it. Um, yeah, and, and both of us were um, you know, raised by single mothers. And uh, I think that may have had a little bit of an impact on our connection to teaching and our... our um, our longing to be good male role models. Is that, is that true for you as well? Yeah, I, I think th the teaching part, especially uh, my mom 
had me at, at a very young age. Uh, she wasn't even out of high school yet when she had me. And I think that she had aspirations of becoming a teacher herself. And so when I came along, she kind of had to put a lot of her hopes and dreams to the side to make sure that I had everything that I needed. And so like early on, it was, you will get good grades. You will not mess up in school. You're going to college. Uh, I don't think she really cared what I was doing as long as I stayed on the right path. And so, um, I think knowing her background story, seeing all the struggles that she went through and things like that, I at least in Beloit, I know that we had a ton of transient students who come from a single parent background. And so, yeah, I, I know the impact that one male teacher can have on you, uh, especially if you don't see that male teacher for the first six years of your education career. So being able to fill that gap and then also whether it's coaching or being involved in the community, it's it's all good stuff. It really is. I recently read that uh, three-fourths of teachers in the United States in public education, I, I may be the same in um, you know, private and uh, religious schools as well. It's probably maybe even a little higher, but in public education across the United States, three-fourths, 76% of teachers are women. And you know, so that leaves 24% as men. So um, it's, it's really a good idea to get as many uh, male role models in as we can, you know, as long as we do a good job. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You you want to can you tell us about one of your um best teachers when you were young, some somebody who who had a big impact on you? Sure. Um uh, kind of a crazy story when, when you think about it. Um so 7th grade other than like PE and gym class, the first male teacher I had, I didn't I didn't actually have until 7th grade and it was my geography teacher, Jim Cheesick. Um just outstanding human being, really down to earth, easygoing, made class fun, was willing to take chances. And I guess as a student, I didn't really recognize a lot of the chances and risks that he was taking in class with some of the lessons he was doing. And kind of just, it, it wasn't a sit down and read a textbook type of class. We were up and we were engaged and we were doing group work and students were leading the class. And it was a lot of student-centered stuff that, you know, it's kind of the buzzword these days. And um, when I when I got out of high school, got into college and started doing a lot of my student teaching, I got the opportunity to go back and, and work with Jim and work with a lot of the same teachers who I had growing up. And then when I got hired for my first job, it was at my middle school that I went to uh, when I was a teenager and Jim was in his final year of teaching. Oh, that's so, cool. So he kind of got to be my mentor. Um, and I, I was I was sweating bullets the first day because I'm like, oh my God, what did I do when I was 11 or 12 years old that might have made this guy mad at me? Is he like, you know, is he going to bring up some ridiculous story? And um, it it was interesting because the first, I would say three or four weeks, he, he completely stonewalled me. Um, he was very cold, wouldn't say hi. Like we weren't, sh we weren't doing a really good job of sharing lessons. And I, I was just struggling. Like I thought I did something wrong. Um, but every day I, I would keep dropping stuff off in his mailbox or coming in asking for ideas and, and kind of suggestions. And finally, one of my lessons clicked and, and he, he, he liked it. So he came to my classroom, said, follow me. I walked into his classroom and he like opened up this gigantic cabinet that had, you know, 35 years of geography lessons and ideas and old assignments. And he's just like, this, this, this is all yours now. You, you impressed me with the one thing you did. I just wanted to make sure that you were the real deal and not just here for summer break. So he kind of made yeah. me earn my, earn my stripes a little bit. Yeah, that's cool. That's like Mr. Kishonis, um, who was recently on the show. He retired um, from his school and you know, lots of people 
um, had him as a teacher and then became, um, you know, his prodigies and stuff. So that's a cool story. Thank goodness for Mr. Chisik. So that's good news. Yeah. Um, and so what, a, what role does kindness or compassion play in both your classroom and in your epistemology, your philosophy of teaching? I spend so much time of my day with other people's children that it, it doesn't make sense for me to not be a kind person and to not expect my, my students to be kind and compassionate as well. Um, you know, I had, I had a experience two weeks ago. I, I walked into school early. Uh, I have lunch, I have breakfast duty every morning. So I was walking from my classroom downstairs to the, the commons area. We had another student who was in there before the bell, just kind of going through her locker. I waved and said, good morning. And we had another educator who came in and completely ripped the student apart. Why are you in the building? Why are you here early? What? And I was like, that was so unnecessary. Like they were just here trying to get prepared like everyone else. Um, regardless of how they got in the building, they, they weren't starting fires, they weren't vandalizing, they were just at their locker trying to get a good start on the day. So um, I, it's the it's one of the easiest things you can do that takes so little effort, just a, a high, a smile, uh, a fist bump, asking kids how their days are, giving them a chance to talk. Um, it, it's so easy, and it, it makes such a huge impact. One of the things that that we kind of started doing this year at TJ Walker is um, every week we ask teachers to write out two positive referrals. We call them pride certificates. And each letter kind of represents one of the thing, one of our foundational pieces to our school. So positivity, responsibility, initiative, determination, and then empathy. And we ask, we ask each staff member to recognize two students. And then on Friday, we read those positive referrals in front of the entire school and during their lunch period they come up they get a little snack we take a picture it's part of our newsletter and then we have some other incentives that are built in once they hit all the letters but the first week that we did it it, it was your usual suspects that kind of got it and you could see everyone's eyes rolling like okay this is just another hey we're gonna brown nose the teacher to get the pride certificates and then by the second week we we had hit a wide range of students who never got recognized. And it, like the shock on some of their faces that another person recognized them and that we were talking about them in front of all their peers. Um, it was crazy. Like Fridays are so much fun at our school because people are excited about who's gonna get a pride certificate, who, what was said about them, what teacher wanted to recognize them. Um, and now it's trickled down to our students. I now have students who are running up to me on Thursdays asking if they can fill out a pride certificate for one of their classmates. Yeah, that's um, cool. They saw them pick up something in the hallway. They saw them being nice to someone who was sitting alone. And so, you know, it, it's infectious. When, once you get that ball rolling and if you're consistent with it, they realize, okay, this isn't going anywhere. Um, it, it really has helped to transform some of our school culture. That's great. We we did that. I, I'm pretty sure our middle school still does that. But at the high school, we were doing it for a while. But I, I didn't even think about it until you just mentioned it. haven't heard anything about those um, – uh, we call them eagle tickets, and uh, I haven't heard anything about them, so I think I'll bring that up at our next meeting and just ask if it's coming back. It's a great idea. And then, so now you teach in at TJ Walker in Sturgeon Bay, but previously you taught in Beloit. Um, anybody other than Jim Chisick you'd like to mention, um, a little call out for, for being a great teacher and maybe a mentor for you or just being a good person? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of my high school coaches, uh, Joe Obenitter, 
Um, I didn't meet Joe till I got to high school, and uh, he was my football coach. He was my wrestling coach. He was the strength and conditioning coordinator. So, I mean, I spent 12 months out of the year with this human being. Um, and then when I when I graduated college and I came back, he was the first person that called me up and offered me coaching positions. So I coached football with him. When I became the head wrestling coach, he, he came on as my assistant coach. And uh, Joe's mantra, it, it was actually painted on the wall of our weight room, is it's a great day to get better. No matter, no matter what, no matter what it is, no matter what you're doing, get 1% better each and every day. And that was just kind of instilled in us from a very young age. Um, if you, if you talk to any of the guys that I played football or, or wrestled with, and you said, it's a great day to get better. They'll know exactly who said it and where that came from. Um, he was just a very grounded human being. He was an awesome resource to have as a young educator and coach, uh, had a ton of experience and just always gave you, you know, he, he was very middle of the road, never didn't have extreme highs, didn't have extreme lows. It was just, Hey, stay the course. Th things are going to work out the way they're supposed to work out. And if, if it's not the way that we like it, then we'll figure it out as we go. Um, so he, he was huge. And then, uh, going back to kind of this idea of kindness and compassion, um, Towards the end of my time in Beloit, we hired a, a new assistant coach named Stuart Ritzert, um, who worked at one of the other intermediate schools, and then he would travel with me over to the high school to coach. And the first year he was with our program, we were getting ready to break down as a team uh, after wrestling practice. And I, I watched this new coach go over, and he started just like giving like a firm handshake to a couple of our random kids. And I kind of sat back, watched him. And uh, I, I went over to him afterwards and I was like, what, like, what is that Stuart? And he's like, oh, I just, you know, you got some kids that go through their entire day without someone telling them thank you or acknowledging something positive they did. So every night I, I try to shake the hands of five kids and tell them something that I'm thankful for that they did or something good that I saw. And we started doing that as a team. Every night you go around, you, you shake the hands of two guys on your team, thank them for something. Um, that's carried over now to my time in Sturgeon Bay. I do it with the wrestling team uh, up here after football practice. We do knuckles and, and one good thing that we appreciate for each other. And um, again, it's just, it's just those little things that it, it takes the least amount of effort. But if you don't put in the time and if you don't even think about it, uh, it can have the biggest impact. Yeah. It's impressive. You know, it's a, they are little things, or at least they seem little, but they're really important and they make a big difference. So it, we, we do need to practice um, consistent, regular acts of kindness on a normal scale in order to promote kindness throughout our society. So thank you very much to Mr. Ritzer and Mr. Obernader. Um, I hope I said their names right. <laughs> so yeah, great to have mentors. Um, so now we, we've been talking mostly about, you know, these things that... Um, that teachers do for kids and the kindness that teachers implement. Um, you know, this education and being a teacher is a two-way street. There are big benefits for people who become educators. Um, uh, it doesn't might not seem like it, and it's kind of uh, difficult right now. We've got a you know major shortage and major problems with that. But why why do you think people should become educators today? What what do they what will they get out of it um, aside from the pay and benefits? Yeah. Um, number one, you're extremely, incredibly needed. Um, just the fresh ideas, new perspectives on how to like, you know, school can become this, this factory of just nonstop. Um, I don't even know how to say it. It, it just becomes this like 
grind of every single day doing the exact same thing. Um, so having people that might not be traditional educators that come into the field later from other industries and kind of seeing how we can optimize things and make them work more smooth and more efficiently is, is amazing. Um, we have an eighth grade teacher who before teaching was a super successful businessman started up three businesses, sold all of them, retired early, was getting bored, decided to come back to education. And he's been great in some of our staff meetings. Like, you know, I, I sit back and I, I listen to what's going on. And if you wouldn't mind, I have a couple of ideas of how we ran things in another company and it, it might be helpful to us. Um, the other thing I will say is I, I teach middle school, but then I, I also coach at the high school. So I, I get the opportunity to work with students and families over the course of six, eight, 10 years, depending on the family and how many kids they have. And watching the maturation process of a student, watching them maybe go through their struggles and, and have issues. And then eventually that aha moment clicks, the light bulb goes off. You see them start to succeed, whether it's on the athletic field, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's out in the community, um, even it's just socially starting to blossom and butter, butterfly uh, with their with their friends. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing experience. And as a teacher, you know, you get to experience that potentially thousands of times a year. And, and the normal everyday Joe who's just walking down the street might go, you know, once or twice a year experiencing something like that. Um, and I, I would say the last thing that, that's kind of a big deal is, is I see this as a huge investment in my community. You know, my wife and I don't have children, um, but I know that the young people that we have coming out of our high school are eventually going to be the people who are leading businesses, starting jobs, working in our community, and, and knowing that we're setting them on the right trajectory to be successful, to be good people, to be good citizens and productive it is a big deal because, you know, I, I, I want to be surrounded by good people. I want to know that, you know, things are done the right way um, because people are, are proud of their work. So um, you have the ability to, to do that as a teacher and you have the ability to really shape futures and, and help impact our world. So. Yeah, I completely agree. It's one of the major tenets of the Teacher's Promise. I mean, the program that this podcast is a part of, um, that you know, teachers benefit enormously in ways that are either difficult to measure or often forgotten. And it has to do with um, you know the, the influence we have and the um, investment that we put into community and all that. But also, um, I, you know, our souls are enriched by caring for all children. And there's something special um, that really, I mean, I think other people experience it too in other forms of service, but, you know, with teachers being such a large group in the United States, it, it's, it's, a, it's one of the benefits that isn't talked about enough. So. Um, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. just having, you know, 15 years of teaching now and having however many thousands of students I've interacted with, you know, the number of graduation parties that you get to see, weddings you get to go to, now children of former students who are kind of coming up through the pipeline, uh, you know, coaching youth football, youth wrestling. Um, you, just, you just get to be a part of so many like families. And, and, you know, we always talk about like friends being the family you get to choose. Well, students are kind of the same way, you know, like I, I consider a lot of my students and former athletes, like part of my family, you know, and whether it's a quick message on Facebook, hey, how you doing? A letter that you write, a card that you send, that quick text message or something like that. 
um, like you, you really get to build that network and, you know, people go through their lives without having someone to depend on someone to talk to. And, you know, if you can, if you can be that support system for those people when they need you, it's, it's a good deal. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, one of the other things about being a teacher is often it's fun, <laughs> you know, it can be, it can be hard and difficult and, uh, weighty, especially near the ends of the quarter and the semester and things like that. But sometimes it's fun. And I always ask uh, guests for a, a funny classroom story, but apparently you've got um, a, a different funny story to share that doesn't have to do with the classroom, but more with you. Could you tell us about your photo IDs? Yeah, I'm I'm such an, an idiot. Um, so I, I I really don't like getting my picture taken. Um, I, I hate picture day. I've always disliked it. And so my first year of teaching, I, I played it pretty straight, wore a shirt and a tie, smiled big. And then after that, I was like, this is ridiculous. So I started um, I started wearing like costumes and dressing up for my picture. And it, of course, in, in my old district, every year you got a brand new ID. And then that picture went into the yearbook. So um, I have a whole collection of just, I was who, where's Waldo one year? I was Count Dracula another year. I was, you know. Um, nerd glasses and bow tie. And so I, I just try to mix it up every year. Well, Beloit kind of knew what they were getting every year. So when I made the transition up here to Sturgeon Bay, um, that, that just, that wasn't a thing. That wasn't something they had heard of before. So I walked in the first year with, um, with my ridiculous costume on and the photographer, who's just a local guy, like froze in his track and was like, what are you doing? And I said, Oh, I'm just, I'm just taking my school picture. I'm here. And he goes, is, is this for real? I said, yes, sir. Yes, it is. So he took the picture. I get an email from the high school principal who's in charge of updating the the school district website. He goes, so Mr. Jacobson, uh, do you want to have a conversation about your professional teacher picture? And I said, nope. I said it was about as professional as you're going to get out of me. Fast forward to the summer and I, I, I started a master's, my master's program. So I had to apply through UW River Falls. I, I fell out the application and they asked for my latest school ID, which of course was this ridiculous picture. And so I had to send that in UW River Falls kind of dragged their feet because they, they didn't think I was for real. And um, so eventually I got a phone call from admissions, double checking that I wasn't oh, some that's crazy. crazy person. So um, trying to have a little bit of fun, but then also it sometimes can get you in, in real life. The rest of the world doesn't always think it's funny. <laughs> yeah. But fortunately you got into your master's program, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yep. good. And yep. and that's uh, I'm sure going well. Um, and so that leads me to the next question. You know, what's new for you? What's going on in your uh, life that you'd like to share, especially in regards to education? How's your master's program going? Um, incredibly well. Uh, it, it was actually kind of a a fluke that I found this program. Um, I've been trying to, I tried a couple different times to go back and get my master's and I just could not do online learning. I, I sympathize so much with our kids who struggled during asynchronous learning and learning from home because I, I just, I couldn't sit in front of a computer and do it. Um, and so I was at the Wisconsin football coaches clinic last spring and there was a table set up right at the very end of the entrance. And this guy named Barney Slowey, uh, from UW river falls was there. And he walked up to me, he goes, you look like a guy that needs a master's. And I was like, All right, okay, cool. And he talked, talked to me for 45 minutes about this, this innovative program that him and a couple of other guys created. It's a one-year master's program. You get your admin license and you get um, curriculum and instruction. It's one weekend a month. It's all project-based and things like that. And I was like, cool, let's give it a shot. 
So I, I applied, got in. Uh, we had two weeks in July with my cohort. We meet in Pulaski every uh, two weeks in the summer and then one week in a month. And it is it's it's more than I anticipated. Um, it, it, there's we took the first week and just built such a strong community. Um, you know, it it was eight hours straight of just deep diving into what are the issues with school, how can we change it, and my principal. It's funny because I. I my principal's kind of living vicariously through my master's program. So like, he'll always like pop in and like ask me like hypotheticals, like, Hey, what would you do in this situation? What would you do in this situation? And I was telling him, you know, like this weekend, actually I have, I have master's class and he goes, Oh, that's gotta, that's gotta be brutal. I was like, no, I'm actually looking forward to it. Like I'm there Saturday and Sunday for eight straight hours. And I just, I, I don't want to say that I wasted my bachelor's degree, but I just, I wasn't in like the right state of mind to like fully focus on learning. And now at this point in my life, I'm like, you know, I'm just a sponge. Like you give me a book and I'm going to read it. Give me a podcast. I'm going to listen to it. Give me an article and I'll dissect it. So uh, it's, it's going great. Um, in terms of my classroom, one of the big things that I'm trying this year is um, I got the opportunity during my interview at Surgeon Bay. They asked me a question. They said, if you could teach any class, what would you teach? And I said, well, I, I love video games, so I would love to do something related to video games or esports. Um, and they were like, we, we have no idea what that is or what that means. <laughs> so I said, okay. Um, so I, I kind of drew up a blueprint of what it would look like, uh, got some funds together, and we started a video game club at the middle school that runs every day at lunch. Uh, we have between 15 and 30 kids every day, and they're playing Minecraft, Madden, Smash Bros, everything. And then last year, my principal was like, well, if you want to, let's, let's make this an elective class. So I, I taught an intro to eSports and like how you can turn that into a profession, something you can make money out right. of. Right, yeah. And it's, then, big, it's big money now. It's crazy. Uh, $18 billion is projected to be this next year. So, yeah. um, And that's now formed into a video game design class. And At, for trying, the middle school level? For the middle school level, yeah. yeah and we're, cool. trying to, um, we're trying to get like a competitive eSports program going as well. Um, it's just resources and making sure that the internet cooperates, but sure, those, yeah. those are my big projects. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, it's important to find things that you're really interested in that the kids are interested in too. Uh, as an English teacher that can get tough sometimes, but, uh, I, I would think that video games would be an easier sell, especially to middle school kids. Yeah, it has it has its moments. Um, yeah. There's definitely some kids that it, it's like life or death situation, and so that it's a it's a time to have a good conversation with them about hey, taking a deep breath, remembering it's just a game. Yeah. Being, you know, good games, fist bump, be humble in victory, be gracious in defeat type of thing. Yeah. And then you have other kids who just want to like literally just want to come and sit down and and watch. They just want to be a part of something. Um, and that was what really surprised our school board when I told them the number of female students that were involved and the number of special ed students um, who could pick up a controller, who could participate, who couldn't necessarily play in a sport, but this was their opportunity to compete and, and do very well. Um, and so it, it's really just this all-encompassing program that all of our kind of fringe students have gravitated towards, and it's been a good outlet for them. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, something for everyone. That's what we need to do, work on something for everyone. For sure. Well, Stephen, we're running a little low on time now. So um, this is the end of the show, the part that I really, really like when I get to thank the educator. Um, so first of all, I want to thank uh, your principal, Mr. Mark Smullen, for nominating you. And um, I hope I can get more administrators and principals to nominate excellent teachers like you. 
I want to thank you for agreeing to be on the show. But let's also thank Mr. Chisik and Mr. Obernader, um, Stuart Ritzer, um, and your mom for you know driving you and pushing you into education and making sure you did a good making sure you did a good job. Um, but you know, without a doubt, thank you for starting an esports program for kids who are out on the fringes and have a, a reason to want to come to school. And thank you for promoting compassion and kindness in your classroom, and for uh, connecting with all these kids who really need a, a good male role model. Um, so, as a fellow teacher and a fellow um, a young boy who grew up with a single mom and needed male role models, I just want to thank you for becoming an educator, becoming a teacher, and serving all these wonderful people in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. Thanks a lot for coming on the show, and thank you very much for being a teacher. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is this is great, and um, keep doing what you're doing, man, because there's, there's plenty of educators out there who have great ideas and great stories and what my college professor always says is the best professional development is to get a bunch of professionals together and just let them teach each other and so the more people that we can get to speak in, in this format and listen um it, it's it's all good stuff so thank you so much yeah my pleasure and hopefully over the next uh, rest of this year and into the future i'll get better at it <laughs> you know we've got the the teachers promise facebook group which anybody can join and and uh, try to get more discussions going but i'll get better at the social media stuff and um, keep connecting with wonderful educators like you. So I hope you have a great year. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us and believing that all children are our children and that all kids deserve our intelligent compassion. And thank you for subscribing so we can share our articles, answering teachers' biggest questions and concerns, and the links to free resources and more stories and other inspirational material to help you not just get through the week, but enjoy being part of the noblest profession. If you have time, however you can, uh, spread the word, let other people know. Uh, the first year is tough, but we'll keep plugging away and um, appreciating all that you do. Thank you for being a part of this noblest profession and thank you for being a teacher. And remember, you can't take care of others if you don't take care of yourself. So do that. Until next week, 